This frequency is for open-minded thinkers, for observers who are hopelessly curious, for experiencers of the mysterious, and for those who are passionate about perceiving the unknown. I will be sharing with you all my own exceptional experiences and other extraordinary constructs that exist in our reality. Welcome to Access Elysium. What's up and welcome to all of you beautiful souls out there. I am your host, Amber O'Dell, and this is the Access Elysium podcast. So before I jump into what we're going to talk about today, I feel like I should be telling you guys about becoming a VIP member. So what that is, is you're going to become an extra special person because you're going to have access to all of the exclusive content. So what is our exclusive content. So what I've done is with Access Elysium, you guys are going to get all my free episodes like this one, where I just kind of deep dive into some cool shit that interests me. And then with the exclusive content, what you're going to get is a series called Conversations that is myself and my bestie, Nikki Levine, pretty much just cracking the codes of the universe and <laughs> getting weird with you all. And then we have another series called It's Just Me In Here. And that's kind of my own solo where I just go on a rant. I don't pre-plan anything. I don't research anything. I open my mouth and well, stuff comes out. <laughs> so if you become a VIP member, you're going to get access to so much more than just the free shows that we do. And all you have to do is go to the website, which is accesselysium.com and click become a VIP member. And it's going to send you right to the site where you can unlock all the fun, juicy stuff that you're not going to get <laughs> with just all the free things. So definitely please become a VIP member because we're going to come up with cool shit for you guys too. I think we're going to come up with some merch for you. We're going to send you on some scavenger hunt. Uh, we're going to make bingo balls. <laughs> You're going to learn all about that when you get access to all of those episodes. So let's dive into what we're going to talk about today. So have you ever had the ability to plunge into a state of meditation where you were able to reveal that there is a civilization on the moon? If so, you could have been recruited by John Lear, a former CIA officer for an advanced extrasensory perception experiment. So coming up on the show today, we're going to dive into who is John Lear, some of the most astounding statements made about extraterrestrials in our solar system, and what the government has been saying about UFOs in the news in present day. So, who the fuck is John Lear? Well, John is a super interesting dude. Okay, the first time that I think I ran across his information was years ago on Project Camelot. Okay, if you are a real conspiracy nerd, you're going to know 
<laughs> project Camelot. But then it didn't seal the deal for me until I used to, oh my gosh, I need to sign up for Gaia TV again. I used to have it and unfortunately I didn't make enough time for it and so I let my prescription, prescription, it was kind of a prescription. <laughs> I let my subscription go and now I need access because there was this series called Cosmic Disclosure and John Lear was doing an interview with Emery Smith that I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I can't even right now. What? What is happening? So this interview was so amazing. He was like throwing out bombs left and right about extraterrestrials. I was eating it up like dessert. But so just to learn a little bit about John Lear, he was born December 3rd, 1942. And unfortunately, he passed away this year, March 29th, 2022. But he was a record breaking pilot. This dude piloted so many different kinds of aircraft carriers and worked for so many different people. Um, he was also a one-time candidate for Nevada State Senate. He was a former CIA officer. Like this dude had a lot of experience with a lot of backing for it. And so when he came forward with all this information, it was kind of hard to uh, knock down his reputation because he was a pretty astounding dude otherwise um other than when he came out with the alien stuff. Isn't it so sucky that people can be so advanced in their careers, in the government, in the military, in science, in medical, in anything, and the moment they come forward with any information on extraterrestrials, UFOs, uh, anything paranormal, they automatically get shunned by, you know, the main media or the government to be crazy people? Uh, absolutely not. These are not crazy people. These are very knowledgeable people coming forward with this information. And it's just been this huge propaganda kind of plot to go against all these people that want to come forward and share their information. So fuck that. Come on forward. We're not going to shun these people anymore. We should listen to what they have to say, because what if it could totally expand our reality on our understanding of what the fuck is going on here? That's my angle with it. So unlike previous UFO like conspiracy theorists, I love that word because conspiracy, does anybody know what a real, my sister's always like, you and your conspiracies. And I ask her, I'm like, do you know, do you actually know what a conspiracy is? She's like, yeah, it's like all your weird made up stuff. I'm like, no, a conspiracy is just something that has been covered up. It's been hidden from everybody for a specific reason. It's some of them. Yeah, some of them are like, yeah, okay, but you have to give them all a chance so that you can decide what resonates with you. Well, Lear graduated from the Institute La Rose, I think that's what it's supposed to say, boarding school in Switzerland and attended Wichita State University. Ow, he's repping Kansas. Here we go. Lear claimed that in 1959, he had become the youngest American 
American to ever climb Switzerland's Matterhorn. I am assuming that's a mountain. So between May 23rd and 26th of 1966, Lear and a crewmate flew a record-breaking flight around the world in a Learjet that covered 22,000 miles in five hours and 39 minutes. So this dude broke all kinds of flying records. He was a very advanced pilot and his family was the Learjet family. Like they had an entire legacy built behind them, which I should look into more, but they were very known in the the Air Force, and all kinds of private sectors for planes, pilots, and flying. So in 1968, Air Force personnel from Hamilton Air Force Base launched a rescue effort to help Lear land after a heavy San Francisco fog interfered with landing. Traffic was cleared from the Golden Gate Bridge in anticipation of a forced landing. After a helicopter pilot established visual contact, Lear was able to successfully land at the base. So very very advanced pilot. Lear flew cargo planes for the CIA during the Vietnam era, and he claimed to have flown secret missions for the CIA between 1967 and 1983. That's a long time. Like, that's a lot of secret missions to happen with the CIA. Ooh, the CIA. They're so juicy with secrets. I'm telling you. So in 1987, Lear released a press statement claiming that the U.S. government has close contacts with extraterrestrials and were secretly promoting films like E.T., the extraterrestrial, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind to influence the public to see extraterrestrials as space brothers. Okay, we We have talked about this, I don't know if we as in me to you on the podcast yet, but me and friends and obviously Nikki have talked about how Hollywood has been definitely implementing all kinds of information into our lives so that it can normalize things that would really in any other circumstance freak us the fuck out but if you slip it into our movies over the years by the time something really happens you're like "Eh, whenever I saw that years ago and in close encounters of the third kind so that's what Hollywood's been doing for us for years and that year in 1987 he was interviewed by a journalist called George Knapp on a show called On the Record. Okay, this was a really fun video to watch because it's in the 80s and you get to see like all the 80s editing for videos and it's so cheesy and cute. Uh, but John became interested in the UFO phenomena after his father and his brother both witnessed a UFO. Now, everyone in their family seems to be like genius fucking pilots and shit, like everybody. His brother was flying a P-38 while flying from Phoenix to Los Angeles at night and a UFO just appeared right in front of him, just, you know, flying along. And then bam, there's a UFO in front of you. (laughs) What are you going to do? If you've got sense about you, you're going to be able to, you know, get through this situation. But it appeared right in front of him and did two 90 degree turns and then vanished right in front of his eyes as well. So 90 degree turns. uh Uh-uh. Nope. Can't do that in a plane. Uh, just to make sure everybody knows what that is, going straight and then bam, going left or right. (laughs) That's not how you fly planes made by humans so far. Um, 
So his father was also flying at the time that he had his UFO encounter. And it was also at night over the Arizona desert. So like the whole family has a UFO connection here. His military friends also confirmed with him that the 1980 UFO incident that supposedly landed and communicated with General Gordon Williams at Bentwaters military base was a verifiable event and was very well documented. The craft contained three alien beings that exited and approached the General Gordon Williams and the surrounding personnel near them. Like people were hanging out there watching these beings come out of the spacecraft and come right up to them. There were multiple witnesses. What? <laughs> I I love this stuff. Okay, this really motivated uh, John Lear to start his investigation even further. So he also confirmed that after intense research and investigating in his interview with George Knapp in 1987, that the U.S. government has retrieved between 10 to 15 flying saucers. Okay, so by 1987, they already had... <laughs> about 15 flying saucers, and three of them, which were in perfect condition. And of those three, one, they already tried to fly. Get the fuck out of here. Why can I not have a job <laughs> where I get to try to fly UFOs? Where can I sign up? I remember not that long ago, just a few years, the government put out like this job posting for somebody who could be in charge of when aliens touch down and you need somebody to communicate with them. I I was, I felt like I was overqualified, really. But I mean, I, ha I don't have like a college degree. Who the fuck is putting together a job application for those who need to go to college to talk to aliens? I don't think that's how that works. But I feel like that would have been the perfect job for me. <laughs> Someday. We'll see. But he also read from the Air Force training manual. Like, apparently, this is just like a normal thing that the Air Force has for their new recruits. It's chapter 13 of unidentified flying objects for students at the Air Force Academy. So the most common, this is what it says in the manual, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I should like find a manual. I don't know where the fuck I would find the Air Force manual, but it says the most commonly described alien is about three and a half feet tall, has a round head, arms reaching to or below his knees, and is wearing a silvery spacesuit or coveralls. Some seem to be the same as Earthmen, while others have more particularly wide eyes that wrap around the head with very small thin lips. There is a rare group that is reported to be about four feet tall and weighing about 35 pounds and is covered in thick hair. Members of this last group are described as being extremely strong. This is like in the Air Force physics book. I should have gone to college, I guess, and, and picked the Air Force as my degree. It states at the end of the chapter that this leads us to believe in the unpleasant possibility that alien visitors have been visiting our planet in alien-controlled UFOs. What... I should have joined the Air Force and been a pilot. Maybe that would have got me closer 
to uh, information on the aliens, but from the research that John Lear has conducted. He believes that at least 90% of them are hostile, like they're a bunch of dicks. <laughs> Wait, what? So... I was going to be all excited that <laughs> we were going to have some new friends to play with, but he thinks that 90% of them are hostile. I don't think I like this. I don't know. The part of me that's like, I just am always so optimistic. I want to believe that 90% of them are good and 10% of them are hostile, but ooh, I haven't done the research like, like John Lear. Hmm. Well, what is stated by this from him is that hostile means that they have a completely different set of morals than we do. He states that there are over 300 abductions experiences that they were uh, researching. And it stated how these individuals were taken from their homes, taken into saucers or different locations. And all kinds of experiments were done on them, including genetic experiments, uh, cutting into them, wiping their memories when done, and then sending them back. He believes that over hundreds of thousands of people are being abducted, monitored, and manipulated by extraterrestrials. Uh, that's a lot of people. Okay. Uh, hundreds of thousands of peepholes. Okay. Um, that's so many people. I believe it. Honestly, I feel like anybody is potential for abductions. Nobody's safe. We do not have control over that whatsoever. We are like the guinea pigs. And just because we have opposable thumbs does not mean that we can get out of this situation. Mm -mm, nope. This is one where you just have to pray that they are one of the good ones because you have no chance in resisting any of this. And I'll get into that later. So he goes on to talk about how the government has created an enormous pressure to cover up any UFO or alien occurrences based on this whole panic situation at hand for, you know, the masses, but also because the fact that it shows that in Cro-Magnum Man, there may have been some tinkering in with it to make us what we are today. When I say tinkering, I mean like genetically modified, manipulated, stimulated. This could be like the missing link information because we could not have developed without intervention between about 4,000 and 8,000 BC, according to John Lear. I mean, yeah, so... People like to say, oh, well, if we evolved from monkeys, why are there still monkeys here? This is a great, great point. But let's just say that there was some kind of genetic manipulation. They only have to pluck a few monkeys, you know, like they can leave the other monkeys. Pluck a few, uh, 
pull them into your little hot saucer or your little cool planet or whatever satellite moon you want to be hanging out in, do your little thing and drop them back off. They start procreating. That's kind of an easy way to still have two kinds of sapiens now. Homo homo sapiens and I don't know what kind of sapien an ape is or is it a sapien? I don't know. I should I should really look into that. But in 1988, Lear authored the book, The UFO Cover-Up, and it was a short document in which Lear spoke of a secret government committee called Majestic 12. All you conspiracy papals know what Majestic 12 is, but to those who don't, let me give you just a little bit of information. Okay, so Majestic 12, also known as MJ-12 for short, is it's claimed to be an organization uh, with secret committees of scientists and military leaders and government officials formed in 1947 by an executive order by U.S. President Harry Truman, who also stated that he has seen a UFO. Mm-hmm. President Truman saw a UFO. So he facilitated this organization to recover and investigate all alien spacecraft and abductions. So again, where is the invite for me to sign up for this job? Where do I sign up? (laughs) Okay, but Lear in his UFO cover-up documents stated that the government committee Majestic 12 made a treaty with gray aliens only to later realize that they were deceived by the aliens. I mean, yep. Um, if you kind of start to think about aliens versus humans, the advancement that they have is so beyond our comprehension that it is like magic. It's like us trying to have a conversation with our dog who definitely knows we're there and, you know, can tell the energy, but has no concept of what the fuck we're trying to tell them and it can't do all the things that we can do and this is kind of the difference between us and some of these aliens so if you're trying to manipulate your dog into coming inside come on girl come on inside because you gotta hurry up and get to work and I ain't playing games anymore and you can just manipulate her into (laughs) coming inside with a treat and when she thought she was maybe gonna go for a walk this is the same deceivement that these aliens did with Majestic 12. So in his documents, he talks about German recovery of a flying saucer in 1939, ghost rockets of 1946, the Roswell incident, the Aztec UFO crash, the 1952 Washington, D.C. info incident, alien abductions, implants, and crossbreeding, Yep. So maybe it's not like dogs. (laughs) Nobody's trying to fuck their dogs. Okay, so we are way, way off here. We as in me and all the peeps in my head. Okay, so I wouldn't be crossbreeding with something that I felt was a pet. Nope. All right. We're more advanced than I, I assumed. So cattle mutilations and human mutilations. Wait, I've heard of all the cattle mutilations. I wonder what human mutilations he's talking about. So I know that I've heard people talk about um, different types of marks that were left on their bodies, but I don't see that as like a mutilation. When I think mutilation, I mean like 
do you know what they did to these cattle? Okay, Linda Moulton Howe, she was like the first one to kind of uh, put these stories into the limelight with the news back in the 70s, where there have been thousands, thousands and thousands of cattle that were mutilated. Now, when I say mutilated, I mean, they are completely sucked dry of all their blood. They have had all their organs missing. They've had incisions on their body done with such precision that we don't even have the instruments to duplicate it. It's so precise that it does not cut the cells. It cuts in between the cells. So when he says human mutilations, whoa, is that what the fuck was happening to people? I need to dig into that one. Uh, And then he last mentions the Dulcie base uh, incident, where this was where, okay, I'm trying to remember the story. Some dude who worked in the military, who after kind of being down in the Dulcie base, uh, decided that it was no more the morals that were going on down there, he no longer agreed with. And so he videotaped seven minutes of all these tunnels and this underground base that contain all of these alien human hybrids and all this kind of weird, crazy shit. So he later promoted alleged UFO whistleblower Bob Lazar and his tales of Area 51. Okay, if you don't know who Bob Lazar is, he's also the super cool nerdy dude who um, made like his own jet engine convertible that he would ride around in. But he was this big whistleblower on the fact that he was a part of the investigations into these UFOs that they actually had. He got inside one of these UFOs. He witnessed all kinds of very highly restricted classified UFO experiments. Uh, So Bob and John became good friends and did lots of investigating together. So Lear made multiple appearances on fringe shows like Ancient Aliens, love that one, America's Book of Secrets, Brad Metzger's Decoded. I haven't seen that one in forever. And The Unexplained Files. So from 2003 to 2015, Lear was a regular guest on Coast to Coast AM. I I loved Coast to Coast. Okay, so I only heard Art Bell for so long because I just, I wasn't old enough to hear lots of Art Bell before um, George Norrie came on. I think that I would have loved to listen to Art Bell more. I kind of need to go back and listen to the archived uh, stuff that he did because he was so great in allowing people to come forward and just not ridiculing them, but giving them the opportunity to tell their truth. Now, I <laughs> I feel that yeah when it comes to that because I've got some weird shit that I don't normally talk about with normal people. So this is kind of my new platform where I can let it all out and hopefully not be shunned by the village people. Okay, so I kind of looked into a few different, I don't know, like articles on John Lear and there is some seriously cool shit that this dude talks about. Okay, so I found online at an anomalian, anomalian, oh my god, anomalalien.com 
they did this interview on him where John is specifically talking about that there are millions of aliens living on the moon. I'm a what? (laughs) This is fucking awesome. Okay, so hopefully one day we don't have to be, if this is all true, I would love for this veil to be lifted and forever to be like, yeah, yeah, this is cool. Can we just like start traveling around and introducing ourselves and making friends? I have always put it out there that I want to have some alien friends, some spirit friends, some ghost friends, some demon friends, some angel friends. Man, I just need some new types of friends. I love my human friends. (laughs) But I'm always wanting to learn something new and I would always be willing to help, I don't know, an alien understand what it's like to be human too. So I'm putting it out to the universe. Let's be friends. All right. So Lear disclosed in an interview and pretty much stunned the world by disclosing appearances, names, and details about the location of millions of humanoid aliens residing on the moon. Like he went through very specific craters and locations on the moon where these civilizations were. So Lear has abundant evidence that these beings visited our planet and continue to do so today. And he also said that there are underground cities beneath the surface of the moon where gray aliens reside. So according to John, there are laboratories in this underground towns where they do genetic experimentations on humans. Hmm. Man. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't be friends. (laughs) I mean, okay, if they're going to do some experimentations to make me like a superhuman or my back all better or I can hear like, uh, you know, echo location around the world. Yes, let's be friends. But if you're trying to like do weird shit that I feel like I feel like there needs to be a mutual agreement here. Like, can we if we can do that? I'm on board. (laughs) I'm on board. So Former CIA officer John Lear and four of his associates organized a recruitment of people with advanced extrasensory perceptions. See, I would have been good for this. There was a strict selection of five stages. So each of them required to name the items that were hidden in a box. So out of 2,800 people, only two managed to do it. Two people two peepholes guessed the weird shit in this box. Okay, there was like, and these were really weird items. So you couldn't have randomly fucking guessed this. You had to be on point with pretty much understanding and connecting with the universe to know what these items were. So they're very specific. These two people guessed them. Guess what they were? A pyramid of malachite, a dog figurine, a feather of a bird of paradise, a handful of pumpkin seeds, and a tuft of coyote wool. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, nobody's just going to ran- randomly guess that. No, huh? These two were the real deal here. Uh, they were either psychic or, like he said, they had very advanced extra sensory perception. So... 
to recall that in a highly classified project conducted first in California Research Lab in the 1970s and later at the Army base in Maryland, the CIA, Army, and Defense Intelligence Agency recruited men and women claiming to have powers of extrasensory perception to help uncover military and domestic intelligence secrets. So if they were trying to find people like today that were doing this, do you think they'd be like posting on Facebook (laughs) or Instagram? Like, do you feel that you have psychic abilities? Um, If so, come to our our experiments. See, maybe I need to do some digging. Those tested by Lear were Colorado resident Mark Stevenson and Washington suburban resident Amelia Leeds. But John Lear did not complete his research on this, which was, you know, the military shit. The next stage for him was consisted of several questions about his mother. Um, so just to make sure that they weren't, you know, they didn't find out what was in these boxes. So he asked both of them the date of her death, the cause of her death, her profession, her favorite musical group, and surprisingly, both participants plunged into a half-sleep state of meditation and returning from it, they gave the correct answers. So hmm, they're in a half-estate sleep. This is my favorite place to be. Maybe I just need to practice. I want to learn remote viewing. I know that there's like a bunch of different styles to it, but I need to sign up for that. Okay. (laughs) Squirrel. Back to the peeps. Okay. This selection was intended for a further interesting experiment, which was conducted in 2012. Oh, 2012. How many weird things happened that year? The task was very simple to find out from people who have the ability to plunge into a state where the answers to the questions posed are revealed, whether there is a civilization on the moon. Ugh, this is such a great question. Uh, neither Mark Stevenson nor Amelia Leeds knew about this beforehand. They did not know that like this is where the whole uh, experiment was going. And once they were put into that situation, both of them simultaneously in two different rooms in order to, you know, exclude forgeries, were able to answer these questions. So, Here's what the little psychic man said. He said, the moon was inhabited more than 100,000 years ago. Um, how, you know what? I was trying to look up the other day. Fun theory. The moon is older than the earth. Um, what? I thought this is just, oh, it's changing all the paradigms now. So I can't remember how old the moon is, but someone thinks it's older than the earth. I, this, I, how is that possible? Okay, so this changes everything. So back to the psychic man, he said, then in the depths of the Earth's satellite, there is an ocean. He is calling the moon the Earth's satellite. And inside of it, there's an ocean and large cities were located around it. So small creatures lived here. Among them were gray dwarfs, 
I'm assuming that's what the, the gray aliens are. Pale, thin humanoids, winged miniature creatures, and f- all of them, well, he said there was a total of five civilizations in all. So these creatures cohabit today deep below the surface of the moon. See, this is what I'm talking about. Okay, we can have like five different kinds of cool beings living together can you imagine okay humans have so much potential to become amazing creatures we have so much knowledge and so much ability what if we were able to collaborate with four other amazing creatures and beings that were smarter than us or just as smart i feel like this could be so cool but then you start to wonder what's 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 the agenda here like I, I, nobody knows that one for sure. Okay, so he said, there is much less water there, but for now it's enough. The dwarfs from the Earth's satellite have visited our planet more than once. Their settlements are located in South America, Central Asia, Siberia, and Africa. So gray dwarfs are lunar inhabitants. Oh man, that's so cool. So Amelia, the other sack chick, she had amazing things to say at the same time about civilizations on the moon as well. She said about 110,000 years BC, a catastrophe occurred on the moon that destroyed the atmosphere and actually made the surface of the Earth's satellite uninhabitable. They both called it a satellite. She said that the original inhabitants of the moon were ready for this and descended into deep hiding places. At the same time, water seeped deep into and filled the cavity in the center of the cosmic body. There, the cities of fairies, gnomes, and dwarfs were formed. Many of them still live and develop there. Unfortunately, these small creatures have almost no conditions for a high technical leap. The extremely meager variety of substances on the moon does not allow building a large number of spacecraft. Um, So if they're so advanced, though, and they were prepared for this, they didn't have like, I mean, I guess, yeah, the moon really doesn't have a lot of resources, but maybe that's because the resources got all fucked up before the big catastrophe. I don't know. I don't know. However, they managed to create a few and flew to Earth. Now, some of them settled in the Earth's cavities on our planet and some live on the moon now. Sometimes you can see how small disc-shaped objects take water with plankton from the ocean to breed similar life in the depths of the moon. In addition to water, the lunar inhabitants are mining metals on Earth. This is what the psychic chick said. This is such great shit right here. I'm fascinated. Okay, so John, back to John. John Lear began his creative biography in 1980s and the 90s when he began to speak publicly and disclose confidential information. So here is one of his awesome statements. In 1953, an alien ship crashed and there was an alien on it, which we call EBE-3, and who then helped the U.S. government build a spaceship using alien technology. 
1962, we had vehicles that could not travel faster than the speed of light, like the alien vehicles, but were fast enough to reach the moon in 60 minutes and reach Mars in a few hours. The first flight to Mars took place in 1966, says Lear. Um, what? Uh, 60 minutes to the moon? Wait, no, 60 minutes to the moon and a few hours. Yeah, to Mars. A few hours. So (laughs) my husband and my mother-in-law just went to the Perot Museum last night for her birthday. And in the elevator, they have like fun, cool facts. And it said that it takes like 150 to 300 days for one of our non-manned vehicles to get to Mars. And John is saying in 1966, we got there in a few hours. What kind of bullshit is (laughs) NASA? I don't even know if it's just NASA. Like, If we have these capabilities, why are they suppressing them? Oh, it it gets very interesting into the whys, but we're almost there. So in the 70s, before NASA allegedly began to destroy the photos taken by Apollo 8, Apollo 10, and 11, and published in the 1971 NASA book SB2-46, so before 1971, It was possible to see through their images that they themselves published cities, a space base, pipes and roads, vegetation, lights, mining facilities, and a nuclear reactor within the images that NASA published. Well, um, how do you find those? I mean, honestly... For John, he had contacts enough to that they were able to, I don't know if he said he had the negatives, but when they zoomed into all these images that were published before the 1970s, they were able to see all of this shit. So in his lecture about the moon bases in 2007, he spoke about how all the NASA books and images on the moon were very valuable because they were not you know, that particular about editing before 1970. This is where you can find all those untouched images of all kinds of structures that existed on the moon. Um, Yeah, he pointed out like space terminals and cities and buildings and roads. And he, I mean, (laughs) this stuff was amazing. He pointed out this three-story building that they found. Um, It also shows that there are all kinds of vapors that were captured exiting the moon's surface. Now, this causes a lot of issues because, for one, they have stated that uh, you can't do that if the moon is in a vacuum. If it has no atmosphere, then vapors should not be able to be seen So this is proof that the moon does have some sort of atmosphere. Like, there's a lot of vapors that were captured being released from a mining operation with cranes and machinery around the Copernicus Copernicus crater. Eh, I have to look that up. 
But so someone from NASA also claimed that all of this stuff has been on the moon for millions of years and that they were the ancient ruins that were left behind. He then compared images from NASA after 1970 and before, and the images are very different and it's very obvious that they have done some editing. I mean, we all know that. Look at Google Maps. They blur out so much shit on Google Maps just staring at our own fucking shit that I can't imagine what they're blurring out around us in space. So this require I mean, okay, if if all of this is true, this absolutely requires cooperation from all of these extraterrestrials to do an operation like this on the moon. So more into John Lear's family history. His father was also not a very uh, normal dude either. He was involved in anti-gravity technology programs in the mid-1950s, which are now completely secret technologies, which I believe were based off of the Tesla experiments. So according to Lear, everything we know about the moon is a complete lie invented by the government for the specific purpose of hiding its extraterrestrial activities and programs. It also suggests that the fact that there are many habitable planets in the universe, such as Earth, and has also been hidden from us. Okay, this is so much. So, according to John, all of the planets are inhabited by beings. Yes, he, okay, one of his most striking of all statements is that uh, planet Earth is a planetary prison and acts as a correctional facility where prisoners much, must reach a higher level of consciousness. Well, I'm kind of in agreement with that. I mean, I feel like it's kind of a prison planet. Otherwise, why the fuck don't we know about all the other cool shit? Why are they keeping it a secret? We are imprisoned. It's kind of like being in prison. You don't get to go out and you don't get to hang out with all the other cool people. You don't get to do all the other fun stuff. You don't have just unlimited ability to do whatever you want. You are imprisoned. You have to do what you're told to do and you're not allowed to do or know the other things. So, hmm. I mean, I kind of, I kind of agree with that a little bit. So then I find this fun little article on the lifehacker.org. They always have like the great alien photos and Sometimes they all look the same, but guess what? A lot of the aliens look the same. So they stated that amateur astronomers have recently recorded something that looks like a holograph projection of the moon's surface. So what does that mean? So that means that there is a hologram being projected on the moon so that we can't see what's actually on there. This is very interesting. That would be a super easy way to cover up whatever you want. It's kind of like a invisibility cloak where you just pop up this little holograph. And maybe that's why the moon always looks the same to us. They were like, fuck it, version 2.0. We don't need to upgrade. Just make it look the same all the time. Doesn't matter. They'll never know. (laughs) 
But there are many people that believe that some kind of a science or technology is hiding the structures on the moon. So this holographic technology might actually be the one that covers them up. Now, I want to know how astronomers kind of figured this out. This is very interesting. The first visits to the moon most probably happened thanks to Tesla's anti-gravity craft. And in Lear's videos, you can observe some photos taken from an observatory in 1946. Then they apparently show a big catastrophe that happened northwest of the Indo... Into my Indominian crater. Fuck, I don't know. He further continues explaining how the moon was made inside of Jupiter 40 million years ago. Allegedly, during this last ice age, 15,000 years ago, the electromagnetic trajectory was stuck in the Earth's orbit. Thus, he claims the big cities, civilizations, and bases on the moon started showing up. Now, hmm. I don't know what that means. Um, and how, I mean, what kind of information is being passed between these aliens and why the fucking military? I mean, I get it. If you, if you make a deal with the military, you have a lot more reach and control over people because that's their job. But why wouldn't they come down and like, ugh, maybe it's because they don't need the cool people. They just need the ones to do all the experiments on. They're like, whatever, we don't care. Just sign us up for 100,000 people a year and we got a deal. <laughs> I don't know. Lear described the moon's citizens as humanoid aliens as well. So we have human looking aliens on the moon. So if they're humanoid aliens and they made us or brought us here, that means we are also the humanoid aliens. I mean, if you're humanoid, alien just means foreign. <laughs> That's it. That means that you weren't made here. You were made somewhere else and you can come here, but you were not made here. So humanoids probably were not made here. We were dropped off here and some of them are living on the moon according to John Lear. All right well coming back to the Project Camelot videos that I saw about him they were oh there's so long there's like part one part two part three part four um because it looks like he just hung out with him all day and just picked his brain till he couldn't take it anymore but so John stated in these videos that we absolutely have bases on the moon, on Mars, and the secret astronaut core has visited almost every planet in our solar system, and we've left our solar system and visited other ones as well. He said that the sun is not a nuclear reactor. It does not radiate heat as such. It is, it, it radiates electromagnetism and each planet has its own filtering system and then that determines the temperature and the atmosphere on the planet and that all the planets, including Saturn and Venus, are habited by beings because they all have their own filtering system that gives them the ability to thrive on their planets. Okay, Saturn and Venus are supposed to be like, what, these big gas ball type planets, but I'm pretty sure that the the moons of Saturn 
they know have the ability to sustain life. So Saturn is a fucking huge. Like we can't even fathom how big Saturn and Venus are. It would take a we would have to live hundreds of thousands of years to soak up the depth of how large Saturn and Venus are to inhabit those planets. So he states that they are absolutely habited. This information is being suppressed, he states, and they will not share this information because the technology is so advanced that there is no need for the financial control systems that manipulate humanity. Ah, that makes so much more sense. They can't control all of us if we know all this information. It would be free information to all of us and we would all be able to thrive. And there's this weird control manipulative duality game being played down here. And it sucks sometimes. I feel like we should all share this information. I just, I feel like everything would be so much better for everybody if everyone stood a chance to high vibrational consciousness. But he also states that gray aliens are protecting us here on planet Earth because they have a special interest in our containers or our bodies that contain the souls. They are solely responsible for our containers. Nothing that everything that we do say or think is a secret. Everything that we do say or think is known and surveilled on planet Earth by these gray aliens. So when you think you are all by yourself at home with your thoughts and nope, apparently all the grays know exactly what you're doing at all times, every moment, every movement, every thought. Well, that's fucking terrifying (laughs) I mean whatever it's fine I figured that at some point whatever we do say think is being absolutely monitored or we we say recorded because that's our understanding of uh, how to save that kind of information in our reality but it's absolutely being stored and monitored somewhere for every single move that we make that's crazy. Well, I hope that whoever the gray aliens are that are keeping an eye on me are super cool and that are taking a real good job of keeping my container safe. And hopefully we're friends. And I just don't completely know it because they wipe my memories really, really good when they bring me back. <laughs> But I think one of them wants to be my friend or maybe we, okay, we are friends and they're going to start slipping me little memories. So they'd be like, guess what? Remember when we went out, we did this one thing. Well, here you can remember now. I'm hoping (laughs) that that's the case for me. That would be so awesome. Well, honestly, there's like a hundred million more hours of shit to talk about with John Lear. This dude is fascinating. He has so many amazing claims and crazy connections to people in the military. Like he is not afraid to state who they are and what they do and where they're from. Like there's a few, um, what do they call them? Informants that they call Mr. X or whatever. You know, there's probably a few people that need to be protected because guess what? If you have classified information, the government's gonna... Gonna keep an eye on you. 
But in all seriousness, I know that I get all excited and I laugh a lot when it comes to all the things that I learn about these kinds of experiences, but I just want everybody to understand in all seriousness that talking about the importance of bringing these conversations and this phenomena into the light of day for normal people is actually very, very important. I am 100% in the understanding that there are other kinds of sentient beings that live in this universe, and they are interacting with us all the time. They've probably been here before us. They'll probably be here after us. They could have had a hand in creating us. They absolutely have a hand in uh, manipulating us. And you might not even know that you've been abducted, that you've had experiences, because that's how good of a technology that they have, that they can just take that experience and erase it from your memory. So, the government knows and everybody's always like oh when's the government gonna say okay I'm not waiting on the government to say anything I don't really care what they have to say Um, I probably know more than the government does when it comes about certain things because I've had direct experiences with them so maybe the government should come ask me I don't know I should probably not um put that out into the universe okay no don't come talk to me I have more fun things to do But um, the government does know a lot. Uh, They know quite a bit just because they've also had first-hand experiences, you know, since the 30s or the 40s. But they've released information stating that they actually know now. So since 2017, the government did officially release video footage of UFO captured from some of their pilots, uh, the conversations they had. And, okay, first of all, They gave us this shitty ass black and white joke of a video. Okay, is that really the kind of surveillance that they have on their radar for their military operations? No, give me a break. Like they gave us the crappiest format, low res. They gave us the lowest res information possible that they could, but they did it. And so they're also releasing more information. They have the Information of Freedom Act has been able to release all kinds of stuff that shows radiation problems with people that have been in close proximity of UFOs and abductions. So I am going to go into so much more information on what the government knows and different experiences that they have to show that there's so much more to this story with aliens. Uh, But that's going to be the next episode that's coming up. So juicy stuff there. You should definitely come back next week. But I feel like this is a really great start into learning a little bit about who John Lear is. And maybe it'll lead us into some more really cool information coming up here that I'm going to dive into with aliens. But I just think that that's all the things that I could say today. So thank you so much for joining me today and listening to this wild tales that I've got here. And I can't wait to tell you more on the next episode of Access Elysium Podcast.